Three. Hi there. Today I'm with Natasha. Natasha. Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you? <laughs> You're a little starstruck, I think. Somebody. It's not exactly clap. <laughs> yeah? Because it makes it easier to edit the sound and the video together. Okay, okay. Did I just yeah. clap into the mic and it's going to be weird now? Well, because you see, I look at the waveforms from the audio and then I know when I clap, uh -huh. I can match it with the video. Okay. So that's the main reason. So, uh, I got you on here today because of your experience in finance and you've been in and out of Bahrain for the past 20 so years, 30 years? Yeah, a little less than that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask for specifics. Yeah, so I, ha I have been in uh, the finance industry for the past 15 years or mm -hmm. so. Uh, I started off in investment banking and I thought I, uh, it was way back in 2004. I thought I was going to be a big investment banker. So I started off, uh, my first job was, when, was in Goldman Sachs. I was working uh, in the middle office supporting uh, the front desk commodities derivative traders. So I, I was there for about three and a half years and then I uh, pursued my MBA that also in finance in investment banking and wealth management. So how did, that, how, how did you know that after three years was the point where you wanted to do your MBA? Uh, yeah, it was something, uh, I don't know, it just pulled to me and I felt it was a good time. I had gained a lot of experience in my, at that, in that, uh, I know it's only three and a half years, but at that point in time, I felt it was a good enough time to apply what I would learn in my MBA into my, you know. But you didn't feel like any external or internal pressure that you needed the MBA in order to get further in your career or anything like that, did you? I wanted to change also. There are multiple okay. things I wanted to change. Uh, I wanted to move from Bangalore. I wanted to move uh, out of the country and uh, see what's next and explore the world. So I was in Bahrain until high school, then three and a half years university in Bangalore, India, and then three and a half years I, I was continuing in Bangalore doing a government job. And then I just felt, okay, I need to move. It was around six and a half, seven years in Bangalore. So that's when this uh, course came up. And if I remember correctly, I think my mom also was there. There we go. I was waiting. There's <laughs> always a trigger. There's always a trigger. It's either a bad boss, a bad boyfriend, or mom or dad. It's usually one of the three. So, yeah, typically Indian family, yes, uh, we had to aspire to study more. And I think I always wanted to also, uh, you know, uh, learn more and apply what I learned at uh, a work place, which was Goldman. And it was a great training ground. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question, that's... Since you brought up the Indian thing, why not engineering or doctor? Uh, that was uh, actually... Because usually... Again, yeah, that's a very good uh, question. Uh, yes, my mom uh, wanted me to do engineering drawing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, I was drawn to finance. So in my high school, I had to choose which side to go, commerce or uh, engineering drawing. In fact, I was signed up for engineering drawing and I changed to finance and I'm glad I did uh, do that now looking at it because it was a good decision. <laughs> so what pulled you the first time to finance because at the time engineering and finance were always very much boys club mm -hmm. right and it's only recently started to open up more. Um, I don't know at that point in time when I was reading up or I think my surrounding I saw a lot of bankers around and I just found it uh, you got mesmerized yes, <laughs> uh, yeah formal clothes and you know laptop and everything I don't know just uh, business and uh, commerce was very interesting for me so I took the plunge in it oh fantastic and then afterwards eventually you went to city and then you went and joined a startup Yes, uh, so after I finished my international, there was another company between uh, before City. It was called Dunya Finance in mm -hmm. Dubai. So I did my master's in, uh, it was a dual program uh, in a university called SBJN, Global School of Management. So it started off six months, seven months in Singapore. And, uh, and then we moved to Dubai for another six, it was one and a half years program. So Singapore was a great experience. Again, I, th I was hoping to find uh, some break there in finance and banking. But then I moved uh, to finish my course in Dubai and my then boyfriend uh, was there. So I thought, okay, I think I need to set my base in Dubai for a few years. And that's how I joined a startup company called Dunya Finance. 
that must have not been an easy conversation to have with the parents and with the boyfriend, I imagine, and saying, like, hey, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to leave, you know, the banking industry and then go and join the startup. That must have been a very tough conversation. No, this, uh, it was actually the startup was, uh, when I say startup, it was banking uh, field itself. Of course, yeah. yeah so it, it was not much of a thing, but then they were like, okay, you did, you're coming from a Goldman brand and you did a good MBA school and you're going to a no brand company. But uh, it became a brand and I'm super grateful that I took that plunge to that company. That experience that I had was fantastic. It was a great team. We had great shareholders and they believed, the senior management believed in uh, investing in young uh, talent. They gave us, uh, literally pushed us in the deep waters. They gave us big positions and responsibilities and people to manage and roles to handle. It was very good. We had to be coachable basically. So they really coached us and uh, that's many of my skills got developed over there. So who was Natasha before the joining the startup and who was Natasha afterwards? Do you feel more confident? Do you feel more well-rounded after going through that? Because it is really like a bootstrap hell experience of being in a startup. It's Clearly. Exactly. You know, you're working maybe sometimes 12 to 13 to even sometimes 16 hours in a go and you, you lose your weekends as well. Definitely, uh, I think I when I joined the company, it was a super. I was super naive and uh, bright-eyed, blue-eyed person, I guess. What number of employee were you at that point? Were you number fifty or number five? I don't remember. I mean, super it was. Uh, How small was the team? It was. It was a small team, and they said they grew uh, in a matter of uh, you know one or two years. They became. Uh, thousand plus employees. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. I can't imagine how much my head is big yet. So it was very good. Very good. And uh, yeah, it was uh, they really make you uh, I mean this kind of experience you're doing you have hands-on experience in different areas in um, you know uh, marketing and sales and customer service and call center and talking to customers and you're doing everything over there. And I was blessed to have a very good team that uh, kind of you know, uh, mentally. In fact, I'm touch. I'm in touch with all of them. Some of them play a very major role in my life even today. That's fantastic. Yeah. So definitely, in terms of confidence and everything, yes, it's uh, it's just. Are they mostly now spread out around the world team, or are they still mostly in the GCC? They're mostly in the GCC. Okay, that's nice. So you kind of became a big family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super nice. So I wanted to lead on to the next question. Then you went then from the startup. And then you went now become a project manager, sorry, not project manager, you became a uh, GM. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Currently. Currently. And you skipped city in between. Uh, sorry, you went to city <laughs> first. And then what, what made you go from startup then back to city? I, uh, I moved from Dubai to Bahrain. Okay. And uh, given my back. And that was for family reasons though, right? Yeah, and it was a spur of a moment decision. Yeah, we had completed about seven years in Dubai. And uh, I think I have this itch of the seven year itch. I can't stay in a place for longer than that, I guess. Mm. But something uh, told me I had, I had had my baby by then uh, in 2016. Congratulations, although it's a little Thank late. You. <laughs> yeah, she's five now. And uh, she's amazing. So in 2016, uh, mid of 2016, end of 2016, uh, my uh, husband and I, he always wanted to move back to Bali. But I was somebody, when I left in 2002 or 2004, I said, I'm, I'm not going to come back home. Bali is home. Is home. I'm not going to come back here. I want to explore the world. I'm never going to come to Bali. It's too small or whatever, you know, those uh, limited thoughts at that point in time. So come 2016, uh, having lived by life, we enjoyed it. But then after some time, it kind of, you miss warm connections. We miss that in Dubai, we, which we had in Bahrain. We had family, we have high school friends, not even high school, like school friends, kindergarten friends still here today. Oh, wow. And that bond is totally different. And we used to, in Dubai, we used to have a beautiful balcony and we used to look out and Arjun and I would be like, uh, you know, what? I miss having friends just calling you and saying, okay, um, you know, we're, we're downstairs, we're coming up, you know, let's have a drink, let's chill, let's go for dinner. We don't have that in Dubai because it's everything is far or you're too busy or you're too exhausted from working so long hours. So then we said, let's move. We have a baby now and the baby has grandparents and everything, everyone in uh, Bahrain. Uh, th though we didn't have a job or anything, we thought it was a safe bet. 
So then we took the plunge. We decided to leave uh, Dubai. We packed all our bags and everything. Moved uh, 2017 uh, Jan. We were in Bahrain, and then I applied uh, for jobs. And cities uh, was one uh, opening. There was an opening. In fact, my previous boss in the startup he helped me with this job. He had a contact and. He kind of referred me and then I interviewed and I got the job. So that's how I entered City. I didn't even actually look for other jobs. I just thought, okay, it's City and uh, can't go wrong with City, right? It has a brand and I'm sure there'll be something great to learn from. That's how I entered City. How, how different was the work culture between City and back from startup? Because you went from a high octane world yeah. of go, 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 go to a lot more formal structure and yeah. hierarchies, which you don't usually have. In no. Was it hit me, it hit me <laughs> within, I think, three to six months. I, I felt lost. I was like, uh, I mean, it was an amazing job. Uh, it's just that in, uh, you're restricted to that job and that role and uh, that team. You're okay, you might uh, meet a lot of, you have interactions with different departments and stuff. At least my role uh, had that. But it was very limited and it was not as uh, exciting and uh, scary at times like my other job so I was uh, after about six to eight months nine months I was kind of you know looking out and you know maybe I told you was you know what's gonna happen then I think after one and a half years I got a call from my ex-boss he said uh, hi Natasha I'm uh, I'm in Bali and I was like what are you doing here he said no just uh, you know let's meet where uh, uh, we you know we are starting up a Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting up a company. I said, oh, wow. I was and then he said, come, let's, you know, interview and all that. So we set up an interview. It was my ex-boss from Dubai. And I said, of course, I'll join you. Then he said, uh, there's a little catch. Uh, it, the job, uh, it will require you for, you know, to travel to Coburg uh, two to three months. That's it initially, you know, when we're starting up the company because the shareholder is in Saudi and that's where it is. I said, yeah, okay, I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, at that point, uh, it, they just opened the the borders for uh, women to drive. So it was a good timing. And I said, okay, I'll figure it out. And that two and a half months uh, went almost to two years of commuting oh, days. You got tricked. You got <laughs> I got totally tricked. But uh, I was drawn to the excitement of the job and uh, constantly busy and... You know, you missed out as well. If, if, if Saudi didn't allow women, you would have gotten a driver. So that would have been... <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's, that's always one thing that I keep thinking about, is that if Saudi just held on a little longer, then, then cars would have been able to drive themselves before women would be yeah. able to drive. <laughs> that, was, that was an idea I always liked. Oh, yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> yeah. So now how often... Well, COVID, of course, changed things, I imagine. Yeah. And since COVID, has it now, you're going back to Papa again? Or? No, I don't go now uh, since COVID uh, hit. And also at uh, 2019 mid, uh, we had a company over here in Bahrain, which mm -hmm. helps in our processing uh, of all the back office, uh, technology solutions, everything's handled from a Bahrain company. So I am the general manager for that company. Which, uh, which is uh, came as a blessing as well. I didn't have to uh, commute as much to over, but of course, if I need to, I will uh, be there. So how did COVID affect your family life and your career life? Because for a lot of people, and that allowed them to spend more time with the family mm -hmm. since we're stuck at home, but I think it also made a lot of people more separate because most of people's friends in today's world are their work friends. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people other than, you know, who grew up in Bahrain, will have that kind of connection with the larger community. Mm -hmm. So since the past two years now the things and restrictions have opened up again and it's easier to go into the office, how does that how has that changed your management style for your staff and how has that changed the culture in your opinion for your um, it was a real it was a journey of discovery this COVID nineteen period, right? So initially when it launched, uh, we immediately the first uh, agenda was to get everyone to work remotely, to get the work arrangement set up, the VPN connections and laptops and, and connectivity to the system. So we were all very busy with that. And we had uh, one morning call in the morning for 15 minutes, 
you know, about 30 of us, key uh, people and uh, all Just the no. We would have a quick call and gather and we would go around the table and it, it was all virtual. We, we did it on Teams and it, uh, we did it for a whole one and a half years, this kind of arrangement. And it was really good and uh, that on a professional way, we all got used to working, you know, remotely, which we thought we never could. We got we got things done. In fact, uh, COVID uh, kind of uh, fast tracked many initiatives. Uh, uh, because many digital initiatives which we had for the company got fast tracked because of this. And uh, but the only downside was uh, there's always a downside. The thing is, there was no cutoff time uh, between work and home, <laughs> work life. And home life. You're yeah. you're constantly on. Uh, on, you know, connected and rude, and your laptop's always on. I got a whole office set up in my bedroom, so oh. you can imagine I have my laptop there and everything. And uh, so it, you're there's no cut off time. You're sometimes logging at nine or ten to just reply to this because you your your home is now your office. You're encroached on your family. But uh, having said that, uh, it was a great blessing again uh, because in my whole uh, ten whatever years of career at that point in time. There must have been 13 years. I uh, never took a break or spent quality time, uh, you know, with my family. And I never had a work-life balance. It was always work. When I'm work, I'm there. And uh, so with this COVID situation since 2000, that, you know, 2020 year, I got a lot of time to work from home and I got time with my husband and my daughter. We actually did fun things together. We cooked together. We did like a one month uh, thing where we cooked food. We said we can't travel. We love traveling. So we said, okay, we can't travel. Let's uh, travel by the food we eat. So we did a travel by eating series. So we, we covered, I think, about uh, 30, 35, one month. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We did Filipino food. We did Lebanese food. And, and we would research and do everything. And what was the best so far? Be honest now. Everything Pizza. Was, <laughs> no, Italian, yeah. I mean, we tried different things. We even did sushi. We made oh, sushi wow. from scratch. So these things, uh, it was, I mean, it's my boss here. Said, oh, no wonder you were not very productive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I did this. I balanced it, you know. I worked from home and we also did this, these fun things, which I never imagined I would have been able to do. So that is the effect of COVID in a good way. It, it opened... Uh, I think for a lot of people, if you would have asked them, as managers at least, three years ago, hey, do you think it's okay for half your staff to be working from home? They would have been looking at you. Yeah. You're like, are you crazy? It was a mindset thing. Exactly. And I think even like even now, if you had 75% of your staff working remotely, that's totally fine. Yeah. I think in most industries at least, of course, manufacturing, that's not going to work for you, but finance, law, yeah. stuff like that, no problem. So I, I was wondering, do you think that's going to change your managerial style looking into the future? Do you think it's going to be easier for you if somebody comes up to you now and says, hey, you know, can we keep this team remotely or anything else like that? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely that's definitely possible. Up. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it, that's an option. And uh, also um, our, uh, some of our companies that we know are shareholder company, they give that as an option to certain employees that you can work from your home country. And uh, but of course your uh, compensation structures it changes. Yes, yeah. yeah. There, there's currently going on a lawsuit in America where some companies uh, were were trying to argue that they want to pay their staff now a different rate because they moved to the Bahamas. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so of course there's going to be a pushback on that. Yeah. So mostly our uh, compensation package involves a basic housing and transport. So if you're working Same. from home, you, there's no transport allowance. You're not commuting to work because of us. So some people remove that component altogether. So if some people, if they're ready for the, you know, that a lesser kind of a package and they have the comfort of working in their home country or the Bahamas or Goa, <laughs> anywhere, uh, then uh, some people do take that and uh, definitely open to it. No, I think that, I think COVID has really changed the way we work. And I was wondering how has your work-life balance changed since having your first job? Oh. Do you feel like you're more patient? Do you feel like you're more, hey, listen, we need to get these things done? Do you feel like mom mode has kicked in more? Actually, it's a brilliant question and there are multiple ways to answer it. Uh, as you were saying, so many thoughts came to me. The thing that topped the list was uh, mom guilt. I think that is a very critical thing for working moms. You know, you feel guilty uh, 
uh, you're not there for your daughter and you know she needs you and you're in a nine to six job and sometimes you're not done after six as well you come home and uh, i have to tell oh baby i just need to send one email please uh, you know be with that or you know do something so mom guilt is definitely there but i think it's after my daughter's gone it's made me reflect on many things about myself and it has definitely made me more productive in terms of uh, organizing my day anyways i've always been that kind of person i love ticking off my to do list but now i'm more organized that way and i have a lot to thank her because she's she's the you know she gets me she's only five but she has the power of uh, i don't know she's steam engine <laughs> i know she wakes up uh, the earliest so she gets me also to wake up and i function very less sleep which is perfectly fine now i got used to it and uh, yeah so she yeah, helps me start my day early and helps me get things done and uh, in terms of being calm and uh, holding my calm and peace she's taught me that i think i was more uh, i would be triggered easily earlier but now i think with her she's uh, Shows it's hard to be angry at five-year-old, right? Yeah, and it's, I have this. Uh, I read somewhere, right? I was telling you that uh, they model us, right? And they they are watching us, and up to seven years of age, zero to seven years of age, they are they they are walking subconscious mind. They're like a sponge, so they are absorbing everything as reality. So your uh, the way you talk, the what you your act, you know, everything is going to play a lifelong uh, uh, role in their in that person's life mm -hmm. and uh, there it's going to be there in a dialogue the way i talk to her or the way i talk to my husband she's absorbing that as the truth so i realize i need to be a better version of myself at That's least so in front of her so that she's not dealing with i don't know what when she grows up you know so yeah so she's uh, amazing that way she's my mirror her name is miraya Oh, <laughs> yes, someone told me uh, a couple of times it's an Arabic word, it means mirror, right? I mean, uh, mirror. Mm -hmm. So it's so apt. Uh, she shows me the mirror and mm -hmm. on what I have to fix in myself and be a better version. Do you see yourself more as her or do you see more of her dad in her? Oh, I wouldn't uh, want to take that away from her. I think she's her own personality. Which oh, is really? You don't see any kind of like similarities or is that then too close? Like, no, it's, <laughs> she's still developing, right? So I don't want to label her as uh, more of me or more of her. She's mm. got a beautiful combination of both of us and... Uh, what a diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> she's listening in 10 years. She will, yeah, possibly. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, that's how it's been. And, of course, we do have a battle every day I, when I'm getting ready to uh, go to work. Good thing is I drop her to school. And when I just drop her and she says, Mama, please don't go to office today. Aww. Yeah, please can you come early? Please can you, you know, uh, come home by three? And every day I have to explain to her. So this is really difficult. And my husband also goes through the same thing. But where she's getting it from? It's I don't know. It's a child thing to do. I think they just want to be with their parents. They're, even though my is, is your grandparents are there are her grandparents leading her on? Be like hey. <laughs> no, they're an amazing support system. Uh, both the grandparents, my parents. I mean my yeah, my parents and my in-laws as well. Uh, they have a beautiful bond with my daughter, and uh, I think they have. They're both lucky to have each other in this. I think we mentioned this when we were talking a few days ago, how it's amazing seeing how much better your parents become in parenting at your kids, <laughs> right? The moment they have grandkids and oh, they're yes. like really great parents. Yes. <laughs> and then you feel terrible as well because you're like, well, I love that kids. Yeah, I didn't get that attention when I was that age. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, we parents, old parents uh, do the best we can and our level of consciousness, you right? You grow every day, you evolve every day. So same thing with our parents also. Because this is the next question I was going to lead into, is how has the spirituality aspect of it come in with the child? <laughs> Do you feel yourself opening up more to that kind of world? Because obviously when you're kind of your teens, your early twenties, you're like spiritual crap, throw yeah. that out, right? Yeah. And, and it's, when you get older, you kind of want that kind of connection, I think is the right way of putting it. Absolutely. Um, yes, I've, uh, I've gone into this, I've been more open to the spirituality track uh, since I had my daughter. 
and um, it's only because I've been I started getting exposed to exposed to these concepts on inner child and what is the inner child and uh, what is the subconscious mind how is it formed and like I mentioned um, even though it sounds very scientific brain and subconscious mind but it's actually all spirituality it's is to be a better version of yourself and uh, that's what she has uh, helped and I know before she was born I was a very uh, I mean I could get triggered by people's reactions people's words and certain uh, circumstances would make me feel uh, triggered but and I never knew what is causing it but now I know I'm, I'm getting awareness to it okay this is what is triggering it and this must have happened and so I'm questioning everything and it opens up another level of it. Has that changed the way you approach people from a work perspective as well? Oh yes. Because I can imagine, you know, at least for me as I went through my journey, the things that triggered me, I kind of was able to get overcome it and now I'm very good at seeing at other people what what kind of buttons it is. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Right, and then you, you kind of try the best of your ability to help them through that aspect, but you know, a lot of times they're just like almost like blinders on their eyes and just don't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like and so that's cool. also understandable for me now. I mean, I have been uh, in a people management ro uh, role from a, quite some time now. And I can see the way I'm dealing with uh, people at work uh, initially, like in a few years ago versus now, there's a big difference. Like I, I, I'm able to address them and I'm able to understand them and uh, not, you know, react uh, the way I would have when I was young. Now I feel I better handle it because I have people who have come into my office very triggered and very, and now I see it's that seven-year-old child standing there mm. who's triggered because of something we as the company's policy is triggering them they feel uh, they're not being heard or acknowledged or uh, you know being uh, respected whatever it is that's what uh, everyone just needs and so if you just uh, tackle those things in i'm talking about from a work point if you tackle that uh, ask those aspects of that person that person soothed or relaxed and then they calm down and then they come and apologize to you the next day for reacting and then you work out a solution. So it has really helped me a lot. Well, I think statistically, what, 70% of people who quit their job blame their direct boss mm -hmm. for that, for exactly that reason. I think because a lot of people feel like they're either underappreciated or underheard mm -hmm. or whatever reason, right? And a lot of the times it's not because management really wants to treat people badly. Most of the time it's just that we don't recognize it. Right? Exactly. And from, 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 the both parties' perspectives is that one is that that individual can understand that you have to deal with 30, 40, 100, whatever other people, and that you try to fit everyone's needs in. And from the other perspective, as the employer as well, you can't really under, you, you often just see an individual almost like a number. Mm -hmm. And that's really terrible, especially when you're working with more than 100 and you're kind of losing yeah. track of names and stuff yeah. like that. And it's hard to, to, to have that switch yeah. of going in and out, in and out. So, you, how, do you mind me asking, how big is the team that you're dealing right now with? Our company is about 102 right okay. now, and we are expecting to grow um, at least by 20% next year. Oh, wow, that's yeah. rare. That's good. Touch wood, touch wood. <laughs> Knock on wood and everything. Yeah, hopefully, uh, uh, because we're, I mean, we're a back office for a main company, so we're uh, growing well with them, and uh, we have a good partnership. Hope to grow. That's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And, and do you think that management has to change as the number of employees increases as a structure? Has the management. So, so does management need to change as the the number of staff increases? Uh, yeah. So we have a lean structure in terms of uh, management team. Um, we try to keep it that way because that's our success factor possibly but definitely when if the team is really it too big, big you just can't uh, it's, it's not possible to do it so we would add more resources to support no, so so back we, office of the back office because it's kind of it's it, it, i mean this is something that i hear from a lot of vps is that it's very hard to understand your business because most of your business is done by your frontliners mm -hmm. and then, then you become more and more detached Mm. as the company exponentially mm. increases, right? And so it's very hard to, to have that. And then the other side of that, as 
the number of employees increase, the more problems increases, therefore you have to have a more rigid HR, you have to have make yeah. sure that yeah. your your code of conduct is up and there. And it's very hard to balance mm. those two natures of things, right? To give people an explanation saying, no, listen, you can't do this because of this is the reason, right? And a lot of people yeah. just I have an amazing team uh, to you know help me go by every day. The HR and admin and my compliance officer and my finance team, the support all of the main thing. Because our, our uh, if you see the strength of our company, we uh, by the way we are eighty five percent by our days, and uh, we have a the majority of our people are in the call center operations. They are young uh, young graduates, fresh graduates, and they're very uh, very enthusiastic eager. and eager. Exactly eager. So uh, there is a lot of interaction with them from our HR. They need to be managed in a you know nice and trained, and trained, and we consider ourselves a training ground for them. You know, sometimes some, this is their first job, so we take uh, a lot of importance in managing this aspect. And I'm grateful to have a good team who supports. I was about to say, it, I think it's it's you you only really understand, or you only as, at least as it might be my own point of view, you only really understand being able to manage correctly once you have a child. I think that <laughs> yeah. really leads on to it, and you kind of then able to really get into the nitty gritty. Before that, kind of just oh like, yes, in a, in a daze. <laughs> it's amazing, really. Um, a child really uh, changed many aspects of my thought process and management style in a professional world. I mean, I never thought of that, but it really did, did shape up many things. And uh, that consciousness, you know, being aware that everyone has, uh, they're just a, a person who's having dealt with different uh, scenarios and you have to tackle them in a different way and address them in a different way. You can't just uh, put everyone in the same box. It will not work. So I, this question has to come up sooner or later. How are you able to balance your home needs and your work life? Because for a lot of moms that I speak to, they say it is very, very difficult mm. because you, you have two forces pulling at you from each direction. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier, saying that you know your daughter's saying to you, can you come at yeah. three? And well, it kind of yes. breaks your heart, right? I hope she doesn't go up with some trauma <laughs> feeling that baby I did not uh, mean to. So I try explaining that one. Uh, yeah, so to balance the both, uh, you need to ask for help, okay, and everyone needs to be okay to take help. So I have a, a, a nanny who helps me, and uh, she does all my uh, chores in terms of cooking, and, uh, and when I'm not there from three to six, uh, she's with my daughter. And of course, the grandparents. I definitely sometimes, I, I mean, grandparents, I believe, are there to have fun with the child. I don't want my child to be just, you know, given to them to take care. Then it struggles somewhere. She's a handful. She needs attention and games and stuff. So I, I, at certain days, she spends time with them, afternoons and stuff. So yeah, that's how I'm managing. And then I also try to take uh, good breaks and holidays. Uh, after every six months, we try to travel. So that kind of bonds my family, my husband and I, and my daughter. We definitely love traveling. Because so I think that. I think that's exactly the thing that for a lot of young women and young moms mm -hmm. don't really understand that they do need the help. And a lot of them, I, I don't know what it is, but for, for whatever reason, when we get out of life and we get out of school, we have this idea of not having to ask for help mm -hmm. and to just live life like on our own like legs and yeah. we're gonna carry the world and screw everyone else, right? <laughs> and I'll show them and then you suddenly kind of have like these responsibilities that start add and add and add and add. <laughs> you can do all that, but it's at the cost of losing your mind. Mm. I don't think it's worth it. It's just be at peace and uh, why worry about uh, what's getting cooked and stuff when you can outsource that work, you know, and focus on quality time with uh, your family. So that's what uh, works for me and I'm glad uh, grateful it's so far so good managing it ask for help i would just say that to any woman who's struggling with this just uh, you know there's no shame in getting someone to help you out around the house you don't have to try being a super mom i totally agree with you i think it is a super mom being able to ask for help to begin with right i think you're a terrible mom if you're just trying to burden everything because yeah. You're not going to be able to do it, and you're gonna. You'll be a pressure cooker. You'll just uh, burst on your family itself, and you don't want to do that. You'd rather have a sane, peaceful mind and not uh, feel stressed. Because uh, most of our jobs are, uh, you know, 
high stress jobs like when you're writing presentations to the board, you're reacting with their questions and their challenges, you're constantly thinking of that. So you don't want to add more things. Well, Jeff Bezos said something very similar to that. And he said, well, what does an exec do? What they are paid to do a limited amount of very good decisions. Mm. You're not paid to do a hundred decisions. You're yeah. paid to do five or six very, very, very important decisions. Yeah. And that's it. And I think that's a fantastic approach that you have. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, it's something that not a lot of people have the maturity mm. or the emotional maturity to be able to say, hey, I'm just going to outsource the stuff that isn't important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, do the best you can and it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if you would have gotten yourself just a driver taken to Hobart, your productivity would have skyrocketed. Actually, uh, maybe, but you know what? Uh, that two years of driving to uh, Saudi was a life changer for me, you know? It, that one and a half hours in the morning and one and a half, it was almost three hours, right? With traffic and stuff. I used to listen to different uh, podcasts, which, uh, yeah, maybe if I had a drive, I would still do that. But uh, I mean, I don't regret having that driving experience. It gave me a lot of me time uh, without, uh, you know, I was alone, I don't have anyone and I really enjoyed that drive. So I listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of Audible, I'm a subscriber of Audible, a lot of books, you too as well. And uh, I mean, I love reading, but I don't have time, I don't know, somehow holding a book and reading doesn't work out. So I listen, I consume a lot of books through listening now. And it all triggered from 2018 driving to Hobart. So I'm actually forever grateful for that. Which, what, was, what was the last audio book you listened to? I am listening to Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> what is it, romance? No, it's about subconscious reprogramming. Oh, okay. And I you... just started it, in fact. So oh. I haven't dived into it, uh, just the initial ch introductory chapter. And but... what mesmerized you? Why did you, you just saw the title and you were like, I gotta read that. It was recommended by uh, a, a podcaster. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I was listening to another podcast on a similar concept on manifestation and spirituality. Uh, she, uh, you can say her name. Her name is Catherine uh, Zinkina. Hmm. She's an American Russian. So she recommended uh, this Napoleon Hill's book. So I purchased it. Um, it was, I have a monthly subscription, so I uh, used my credit for that. And uh, I have to start. That. It sounds and looks very interesting. This is also a really interesting thing that I've noticed with really high functioning individuals. They all take the time out to go and educate themselves. Yeah. And that's something that I, it's, I don't know why people don't want to do, or I don't know, it's not laziness. Yeah. It, because, it, I mean, how lazy is it to watch a TikTok video about finance? <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? Like, is it really that boring to listen to business concepts on YouTube? Yeah. I, I, it's, it's so bizarre to me. Yeah, I'm not, I think I see constantly to, you know, um, to learn something and get deeper into it. It drives, it drives me and I think maybe it's, uh, we're all, we have a different human design, right? There's a concept called human design. So we're all uh, designed in a way, uh, like for me, I think I'm a kind of person who, who's not, uh, when I'm not doing a bunch of things, I feel like I'm not productive. Or you feel you're like not productive? Yeah, I feel like I'm, I need to do a bunch of things. And so that's how I uh, have a to-do list and I'm listening to podcasts, my audible. I have a, uh, journal and check. I do a lot of things that way. So do you, do you, do you, do you, what's the right word? Do you feel negative if you don't finish the list? So it, um, yeah, uh, yeah that, I mean, it has a positive and a flip side. Sometimes I feel unaccomplished, right? I didn't do anything today. I didn't do anything on my list. But most of the time it's always positive because I feel when I have that list there, my mind is there. If you see my notes on my phone, it's like Saturday things to do. And when I take off things, it's a, it's a high for me. So this is the interesting part because I, I switched that. Yeah. Because I used to be very similar to that where I would keep lists and then whenever I'd finish it, I wouldn't feel anything hmm. because I'd be like, well, I expected to finish it. So whatever. And if I didn't feel, didn't finish it, I'd beat myself up and be like, oh, you know what? You should have put your finger out of your ass and you should have, you know, hit harder. Do you know what I mean? And then what changed it for me was I was also listening to a podcast um, by a guy named Dave Asprey who talks about a book called Superhuman and it's like NLP training and stuff okay. like that. Okay. And he mentions that taking on more than you can achieve is a set, is a quality that's positive. Oh, okay, okay. Not negative. So, right? Yeah, that changes yeah, yeah, yeah. your whole dynamic of your thinking. 
and then, then you feel more challenged, right? Exactly, and you're willing to you're more willing to take on something that you know isn't feasible, but you're yeah. taking it on because you want to challenge yourself. Yeah, As, like there's that saying, right? Um, your your a man's reach is, is exceed his grasp. Mm. Right, man being everyone. Yes. <laughs> I'm not specific on that gender. But it's okay to have some days when you don't want to do anything. Totally because agree. then you wake up the next day and you're fully charged up. Totally agree. Sometimes I just want to do nothing and I want to be a zombie and I enjoy that. Like uh, my daughter sleeps by 8 which is a blessing and I'm thankful for that. Because after 8 it's like my time. My, me and my husband's time. So we do Netflix or whatever. Sometimes we just want to be you know, a zombie. And that's okay as well. You can just zombie it out. And next day you wake up refreshed and you are more productive than you would be in a normal day. Totally so agree. that works as well. Have you started an exercise routine as well? <laughs> it's on my to-do list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that uh, category of my uh, life is which needs improvement. Well, to be honest, being a being a mom to a five-year-old, there's a lot of exercise, getting them fed, dressed. Mental exercise. Like oh my god. Uh, no, I I even last year I had this whole. Uh, the, you know, agenda. I need to focus on my fitness. So I categorize my life like in different departments where I want to. Uh, so I do this annual activity. Let me talk about that. In, in December last year, I made. Uh, it was an OGSM. These objectives, goals, strategy, measures. It's a very typical company uh, professional. So companies do the strategy exercise every year to uh, plan and set the tone for the next year. So last year I was doing one for my company. And, I, and we have like a workshop all across the company, three days we're in our hotel and conference room doing this together. And that got me thinking last time, why am I doing, not doing my personal OGSM? So I made a personal OGSM, the same framework that we do in office, but mm. of course my uh, categories were my personal life. Of course. So I had money, uh, financial goals, fitness goals, and travel, whatever. Travel goals, everything, relationship goals and uh, everything. So I wrote a bunch of things in it. Now I'm, I don't know, how, how did we come into this topic? Your fitness. Oh yeah, fitness, yeah. So fitness was on that and I did and I want to do 7k steps and I want to uh, do a, you know, a short exercise at, uh, uh, at home. So I even subscribed to Sweat app. It's, an, uh, it's a very good app for women. It's called Sweat. Uh, they have these membership, uh, annual membership. I paid up, I think, whatever dollars for it. I had good intentions to start and it didn't. <sighs> It just okay. didn't materialize. And just last week, uh, I got the reminder that your app, uh, uh, your registration, your membership is going to end. Do you want to renew? <laughs> I, like, oh, I finished a whole year and I didn't even use it. So, yeah, so fitness is something which uh, I need to, you know, work on consciously. I think it, it helps when it becomes a family activity. Yeah. Right? I, I'm, I know a friend of mine, he has a huge backyard and he just turned it into like a jungle gym. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's like, oh, you, nice. like ropes to hang on and he takes yeah. his like eight year old there and they like jump from like, like wood piece to wood piece and do all these like weird stuff. Yeah. But they both really enjoy it. Exactly. It's important to get you get excited by your goal, whatever your goal is. If you do Absolutely. build up uh, excitement for it. Uh, you know, it doesn't get, uh, same thing happened to me for fitness. I think I was excited about other departments and uh, I'm very happy that when I now, when I look at my OGSM, my company would be laughing if they hear this, that I have a personal OGSM. So uh, if, if I see my OGSM, many things got, uh, you know, done. And then I look at it now. And uh, so it's important uh, to me at least, you know, to have that thing. It drives me, it lights me up. No, I think, I mean, I use GTD, get things done. Okay. Yeah, and that's how I built most of my uh, structures and stuff awesome. like that. So, I, whatever, I try to write down everything that's in my head. Mm -hmm. Like, every task, Yeah. no matter if it's like five years away or something that I want to happen one day, everything has to be written down. Oh, brilliant. And then it gets, like, structured into, like, almost like a plant, like a tree, mm -hmm. right? And then it's like, like, this is how this and this and then this. Like, so if do you then visit that, that often? Do you look at that, what you're reading? I use two apps. I use Asana. Okay. Uh, I've heard of it. I haven't used it. Yeah. It's the free version. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, and I use it even for my company. Okay. Uh, and it's brilliant. And the other one I use is uh, GT uh, Get Things Done. Get There's things an actual done. app. Okay. Okay. GTD. Nice. But there's something about 
put uh, pen to paper. I, like I know. That. I know. I, I know. know. I do use I my phone notes a lot. A lot of things are digital. It's just easy, but because uh, I'm carrying my journal everywhere. But in the morning when I'm at work, I spend about uh, half an hour actually writing what I want to achieve, and I feel that is something else that really helps. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I, I wish. I wish. I would. I wasn't such a person who would lose everything. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> so that's my problem. Whatever I carry in my hand, <laughs> 10 minutes is going to be out of my hand. No, I agree with you, you know, uh, because then I, even my book, sometimes my, when I take my notes, I forget it at office. And then oh. each moment I'm like, oh, and I, I, I feel so low. I'm like, oh, damn, I left my book back. That's also a flip side to things like that. So when you have it on your phone, it's always accessible. I even had a list of things that I shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> that would take off if I didn't do it. <laughs> I went to that level. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> like, leave the office before seven. <laughs> Stuff like that I have on the list. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked a little bit about your fitness goals. I was wondering, have you never thought about maybe tying it up with your friends? Yeah, but you know, uh, it's maybe it's laziness. It's no, there's no time actually. I really, whatever time I'm out of work, I want to be with my daughter and my family. Mm. And then I'm actually exhausted. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know where. There's no time. Actually, you know, I know it sounds like an excuse. You should make the time for what you want to do. But I tried. Uh, I think in 2019, I tried doing uh, like a half an hour session during my lunch. I wouldn't take my lunch out, but I thought, okay, let me take lunch out. I went to the gym for half an hour. I tried that, but it didn't stick for long. Because uh, I start my day at 7, I drop my, get ready, get off my daughter to school, and then by 8.30 I'm at work, and then I'm, I'm home by 6.30. Then 6.30 to 8, that's the only time I have with my daughter. Then by 8, 8.30... That's done. The day is over. I want to be a zombie then. I don't want to go and... But yeah, if I was really driven, I would make 9 to 10. I wouldn't recommend that, <laughs> honestly. Because you already have like a high octane life. You have a hard career and then you have a, yeah. like a young child. Adding then an externality like working out is just going to cause your, your, your uh, not insulin, your, uh, not estrogen. What's the stress hormone like, called again? It's not serotonin. No, serotonin is happy. Happy one. <laughs> um, well, I forget, I'll remember the word eventually. But yeah, that, that's going to cause it to, to go even higher and then you're just going to get get quicker burnt out. Yeah. So if you ever see a person who works like crazy hours, like 15, 16 hours, and then does CrossFit, mm -hmm. they're burned out in like six months to a year. They yeah. kind of look like almost like a like a corpse. Yeah. Like really like big oh, eyeshadows and stuff like yeah. that. That's uh, yeah, that's what it is. But that's why that's why you need to have that that spirituality in order to kind of reconcile that kind of stuff and be able to take a step back and you know also be kind to yourself, which is not something a lot of people are for whatever reason. This year I started meditating and I feel really kicked about it because I've I've heard many people say meditation is good for you and and I've tried over many years. It never really stuck more than a day or two. But uh, now I started in August and I've been doing it every day till all the days for about, it's a short session, 10 to 15, but it really helps me. And uh, I do it after I drop my daughter uh, to school, I come back home and I, I really look forward to it and I'm loving it. Kind of sets the tone. So that's one thing that's helped also for my day and my sanity and clarity. Well, I mean, I find it fascinating, especially, it must be really fascinating considering your parents must have a background in meditation as well, because in a lot of Asian communities, it was a big thing in the early 60s and 50s, and then it kind of disappeared over the next generation, mm -hmm. right? So it must be really weird <laughs> to your parents and extended family to hear like, oh yeah, I do meditation. Like, yeah, but um, not many people uh, I know are met, even in the Indian community, many people do, but my immediate circle, not everyone does it as a practice. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, not even yoga? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, it's an Indian originated uh, concept and it's worldwide. And uh, but uh, I do know people, but I don't know a lot of people who do it regularly. Just I hope because that was they're a racist assumption from my part, but I know a lot of Asians <laughs> who talk about it a lot. I know a lot of non Asians also. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially white girls, of course. They yes. love that stuff. My God. 
they would have done a course in uh, India somewhere and now they practice it big time. But uh, my parents, my mom, uh, uh, between the two, it's my mom who's uh, been more into meditation and uh, other aspects. So. But uh, yeah, so I don't think I've even told them that I'm doing meditation these days. But just, <laughs> well, <I'm laughs> yeah, but they would be like, yeah, okay, that's cool, good. <laughs> it's good. Well, I think it's very important to take care of our mental health also, along with our physical health. I don't know how much the mental aspect and the physical aspect are tied together. Mm, it's, uh, yeah. Like, like I've been doing this running thing from the Nike Run Club. Okay. They do like guided runs. I think it's it's an app thing, right? Yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I think I heard of someone talk about it. Definitely try it out. It really changed my perception of running because it's it, it wasn't like a thing like to force yourself or punish yourself or you're running to like meet some arbitrary number and he when he was just talking about it, he was just like run it and then just to make yourself feel good and that really changed my entire mindset and I went from running like maybe once every six months to running like 5k's without an issue oh, wow. and I even ran a half marathon by mistake before so yeah by mistake. Well, I, we wanted to run 10 kilometers, but we were, we were so stupid, me and my friend, that we didn't think that we had to go back again. So we ran 10, and then we thought we'll get a cab, but there was no taxis. Oh, gosh. And then we said we we're going to take a bus, but I left my wallet at home. <laughs> you pay, and he left his wallet. So we went, all right, so we went and jogged back again. So we ended up walking over 20 kilometers. Uh, it just reminds me of a funny story. Uh, I signed up for Spartan Race. Oh my okay. god, are you insane? Uh, yeah, uh, it happened in Bahrain a few years ago, right? So And you were like, I'm going to torture myself. <laughs> I don't know, what was I thinking? I think it was 2018 again, 2017, 2018. I just gave birth to my daughter 2016 and I was in this fitness thing. I want to lose the weight that I put on. Uh, I put on 20 kgs during my... Yeah, that's normal though. It's normal, yeah, but it took me a long time to get so I was in that fitness thing at that point in time. I had to, you know, get it out. So then I have a friend, one of my best friends, she is a, a you know, fitness freak. <laughs> she's done it all and she's an amazing uh, fitness person. So she wanted to do this Spartan race and she inspired me and my husband. Mm. And uh, we went for the training sessions and then we joined the is it, is it okay? Yeah, I'm just checking, just to make it short. And uh, yeah, so we went to the Spartan race. It was the biggest uh, disaster of my life. <laughs> it was so difficult. It was in the in the deserts in Zalak. Oh my. The end was hot and I was an embarrassment. <laughs> my husband was literally, you know, dragging me. I had my fitness level was really poor. I was like, I can do this. I was just uh, motivated. I just can't. I just can't understand the amount of pressure you must have put yourself in through it. And why would you do that to begin with? I don't know. Every, because everyone said it's going to be fun. My friends, it was. Uh, I think we were about eight of us, too, but uh, three, four couples together. We went, mm. and they said it's going to be the best experience of your life. There's mm. going to be all these uh, hurdles and challenges. You can do it. You just have to practice, and you can do it in your own speed. There's no pressure of winning. Yeah, I, I, I mean, no pressure of winning my ass. <laughs> no, really, I just not sold to me. I was like, okay, I don't have to win this. I just have to go through this. And, uh, I, but, I mean, I don't regret it, but it was embarrassingly tough for me to do it. And I did the whole thing the, in, in the ice cube, the running the hurdles, and it was difficult. But Seriously? You did all that? I mean, I tried. I attempted it. It was a, a sorry attempt, but I did it. I wow. Wow. So why why how did they get that idea first of all? This the race? Yeah, how did it get into your head? You said you wanted to lose weight. Yeah, I was already trying to do different things. I was going to Nakil And your friend hates you, obviously, and was like, I've got this idea for you. She is my inspiration Please tell me she didn't do it. Please tell me she didn't do it. She also did it. She also did it. Of course she did it. I really was hoping that you were going to tell me she called it sick. I would have killed her. She would be my friend. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was my uh, mistake of squat. Oh, <laughs> Hilarious. God. Are you going to do it again now? No, yes, I'm not. <laughs> can do and cannot. Uh, can do and what I cannot do.
That no, definitely no. So it doesn't interest me that area of you know fitness and I mean of course it's important, but doing yeah. these challenges, no. Like jumping through fire and all kinds of like barbed wire and electric tape and all ice kinds of water. Ice water, going through mud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it's good to you know know what you don't want. I guess so. You can get out and God knows what kind of in infection you have to get treated. Yeah. You're gonna get like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> How was the ice water trip though? The which one? The How ice water, water challenge in Spartan. Mm. It, it was uh, kind of scary because you have to go underwater. Uh, there's a piece of uh, that, uh, plywood and you have to go underneath to go to the other side. So that uh, first of all you get in it's cold and then going putting your head fully in and not knowing that was scary hmm. but yeah you just want to get done with it at that point in time and I just did it <laughs> I mean I, I don't have much to like I don't want to stand on because I was the idiot who went to that like I think we mentioned it before I went to uh, Wim Hof the Iceman yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you did that also you you did the topless uh, hike in the ice or something right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you go you, there's like you go in in this like ice bath with two other guys, and I don't know. You can't make the story up. That's your Spartan. <laughs> with two other guys in this whole pad, and you get into this ice, and you have to like just breathe and let go. And there's like some weirdo in the corner hitting some drums, going. Oh, oh. oh wow! <laughs> wow! It was, it was, yeah, it was just something very unique. See, you you just went with it, right? Who knew? It? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> an experience a story for you to tell absolutely absolutely how are we can i convince you to do it this thing yeah no not really after my spartan experience that I was one and done i would ask for more details and i'm like uh, if i listen to the whole story i'm like no sorry uh, not, not there yet <laughs> <laughs> doesn't excite me so how how, how let, let's bring this back to me, then the business as well how important are these spartan challenges in in your community of work you mean like team building activities? Yeah. Do you think that's there has a place for that, or do you think that's kind of like just? No, no, it's very important. Uh, team building activities are very important, and in fact, after the whole COVID period, we just now we started uh, such programs, uh, like fun activities to get the team together, and uh, something like this, like a Spartan challenge, something uh, which brings the team together and. I mean, of course, we don't have a Spartan challenge at work, mm. but we do different games. Uh, like recently, we had like a beat, uh, beat the summer get together. That was a theme, and uh, we had uh, teams together and build the tallest tower, and uh, so, you know, not, something like beer pong, <laughs> not beer, something else we used. Uh, the, the two teams they had these kind of challenges. So it, I really loved it because it brought everyone together and uh, the entire company started talking to each other at diff across different levels and so these kind of activities and challenges are so you think there's definitely a place for them in, in corporate life it it is important and uh, it is uh, an essential thing actually you need it otherwise you're just going to office coming back home you're talking to your limited people and uh, it's a very uh, dry you know relationship with your work people but when you have these kind of informal things uh, it really lights up the whole environment and you collaborate better you resolve issues better so how would you say <laughs> do you build loyalty then in a corporation in a corporation same with building exercises bunch, oh, it's a bunch of things really um, you have to make that uh, person feel comfortable waking up and coming to you and have these exciting things something different out of the ordinary see a job is a job right it mm. is going to be like a drag for everyone nine to six but when you have these different things coming up uh, that uh, drives loyalty there also that's not the only thing there are different things also you have to worry about their uh, how you not worry? I mean, be excited about driving your career. Are you challenging them enough? Are they in the right position, skill set, and uh, environment also? You know, whether the office environment is good. Many aspects to it. Their compensation aspects. So all these factors drive quality. It's just not one thing. Many things. So, what I think is really interesting what you're saying there is that 
I just recently read an article with Elon Musk, and it was about a similar subject about uh, building activities in the team, kind of building a family, and how to turn a corporation into kind of like a place that people actually want to work with, right? Otherwise, we're going to have like super high turnovers, and you're going to be a disaster because you're constantly having to retrain people. And one of the things he said that really worked was was having a hotline where employees could call, mm -hmm. so list problems, ideas, whatever. And he called it Integrity Hotline. Okay. Which I thought was so ingenious yeah. because he, he was saying before they go to the press, if you have integrity, you call us. <laughs> I thought that was genius. <laughs> you did obligating them. <laughs> exactly. I, In fun way. Absolutely. When I heard that, I was like, genius, genius. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I mean, that's good. That works as well. But I think if you have honest, genuine conversations with them, uh, you know, they come up to you and they talk to you if they have any concerns and loyalty builds that way. Well, 100% of people that you talk to were at one point you, mm, yeah. right? And we all yeah. go through the ladder, yeah. right? And sometimes we go back down again, but we always hope that we go continuously up. Mm -hmm. And so the time that we spend training others is in fact the time that we're going to get when others train us. Yeah. That's the way I see it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like when I think about my uh, bosses and, uh, you know, why do I have loyalty to him? It's because, uh, the fact that I left city and moved, for example, to the startup company, it's out of loyalty, really. And that's because he really gave the comfort, that team also. Uh, they coached you, you know, they showed you the way and they put you in challenges, but they also show you the way and they have honest conversation, genuine effort. So I would like to pass that on as well. So that's what I do with my immediate team. I have conversations with them every day. I give them tons of suggestions. How you know, it's important. Those things are important. I think loyalty builds from that. And also, it's not always about work. Have conversations which are outside of work. You know, how's your family? How's your... You know, don't always have an agenda. Sometimes uh, the agenda is to have no agenda. So that also works. All that... Uh... So, <clears throat> to add on to it, I, I once met uh, Deutschbahn, mm -hmm. the famous train station in Germany, the train station company that has trains going back and forth anywhere in Deutsch, uh, yeah. Germany. Deutschbahn. I spoke to, he was, he was, I think, the head of one of the departments. I wasn't sure which department anymore. This is years and years back. He was telling me that he actively tries to force his employees out of the company. Oh. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And he was like, listen, if I have an employee and I see him being really bright, okay. you know, that guy has a future, a girl, whatever, mm. but there's no movement upwards. Everything's currently taken. All the spots are filled. Mm. Right? And I, I don't have the position or power or, or, or whatever to create an opening for him. So I will actively try to look for him a different position okay. at a different company. Like I've actually like go out and talk to people mm. and say, hey, I got this kid who's really bright or whatever. Mm. I was so confused by this. Yeah. And I, and I was like, why? <coughs> why is that talent? Yeah. And he said, well, listen, that person is going to leave sooner or later because there is no way up for him. However, if I'm physically pushing him out so he, so, and giving him a position that's better than what he currently has, mm -hmm. he's always going to be thankful to our company. Mm -hmm. He's always going to be thankful to us. And those people that he's going to move to because he worked for us is going to be people we're connected to. Ah, okay, okay. Right? And so it was this like, like almost subterfuge uh, spider web. And he was like saying almost all the partners, suppliers that we work with are okay. all... Ah, okay, he has an agenda then. Exactly. <laughs> And I, when I heard that, I was like, that is the most smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. Like, that guy owes you now. Keep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something, you call your guy. Yeah. Who you let go. I was like, yeah, you're going to call me up. Like, why are you sharing that secret? <laughs> I thought that was genius. That was that, also that level of confidence in your company as yeah. well. To, to actively yeah, contribute. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting, very interesting. Certain industries have natural attrition, like you know, like my uh, services industry, financial services industry, call center operations, processing. There is a natural attrition that happens, uh, like uh, two person, three person monthly, because uh, <clears throat> that's the nature of the job. They come uh, for these kind of jobs as a starting point, as a you know, um, kickstart to their career. So they do leave after one and a half two years. I do see that. And uh, it's fine that also it's a healthy attrition. 
So it's, they're not leaving because they're unhappy with the environment or something. They want another role, a different opportunity, which is outside of this industry. So that's fine as well. I mean, we track that very closely. No, I, I think that's, I mean, human beings are naturally going to be, naturally want what's best for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think us as employers, the best we can do is give them the best opportunity for themselves. Mm -hmm. And in turn, I believe that good karma will always produce good karma, right? Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, I also believe that no good deed goes unpunished. So <laughs> there's a duality to it. You love dualities, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's the name, right? It's an oxymoron, unsolved truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to add on before we call it today? Uh, a lot of things. I want to thank you. Um, you don't have to thank me at all. I want to thank you for coming on, <laughs> sharing your experience, by the way. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, what would be the best uh, way? Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Instagram Twitter. Or LinkedIn. LinkedIn is uh, Natasha Kambuj and my Instagram, uh, I have a couple of accounts based on my uh, interests, but I think I'll suggest the travel one. I have a travel uh, Travel.maktu is my travel page, so I post a lot of travel content when I travel. If you send me the, the two names on okay. WhatsApp, then I'll just add it to the video. Okay. Then it's the easiest, right? Okay. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Pleasure. <laughs>